0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Here Comes Everyone. I'm joined once again, delighted to have with me, uh, Peter Trevor Wilson. Uh, He's a diversity expert keynote speaker and the author of The Human Equity Advantage Beyond Diversity to Talent Optimization. And we're here to talk a little bit about the idea of of human equity. Uh, But we're going to start off with uh, a discussion around what birthed the idea, which was a uh, um well peter's gonna tell us about it but it was it was a time when when uh, desmond tutu was in toronto and was speaking and uh, a little slip of the tongue gave birth to an idea so welcome peter great to see Thank you me. again um nice so let's begin so this is uh, uh, archbishop tutu is here in is here in toronto and he's speaking to an audience what was when was that and what was that like Ooh.
1: Uh when was it? It was it seems like a hundred years ago, but it was probably closer to twenty five. Um he was in Toronto. I mean uh, Mandela was still in prison, so he was there promoting the um uh, anti-apartheid struggle, sanctions against South Africa. And it was a it was a speech and um uh an amazing speech. And at one point he talks about employment equity, which as you know is really the legislated equity program that followed by Canada, a kind of a kinder, gentler version of affirmative action in the United States. Uh, South Africa ended up following it. But he was talking about employment and he slipped. And at one point he goes, human equity. And then he goes, oh, sorry. He goes, employment equity. And, and a, a little voice, I don't know where the little voice came from. Maybe it was undigested cheese. I don't know, but, uh, it, it was, um, it says he, that's something he said, did you hear what he said? Like that's something that human equity thing is something. And, and you need to follow that. And, uh, now the only thing the voice didn't say was this is going to take you 20 years. Um, but you follow it. And I did. And John, I started to think about it. Like what is, what is human equity? I didn't write anything, about it until 2005. And I was surprised it was published. And, uh, and then we had at least an article, but frankly, I knew nothing about it. And then there was a case study that was done and human equity showed up uh, in it. And then I, I went to my lawyer and said, I think we should trademark it. And he goes, trademark what? I said, human equity. He goes, you can't trademark human equity. It doesn't mean it. It's like, trademarking water because it doesn't mean anything and i said well here's an article i wrote this article he goes okay well let's try it. and we did and we and we got it we protected it in canada we trademarked human equity copyrighted it but we still knew nothing about it i knew nothing and it wasn't until may of 2011 that finally the hundred thousand pieces of this thing called human equity came together and then the book was written not too long after that and so it came out of a slip of a tongue from Archbishop Tutu. I never did thank him for that. So too late now, but still.
0: No, unfortunately, we we uh, we we lost him this year. Now he yeah. he went on to, and I I, I know I don't believe you, you you used it. I know you didn't use it for the Canadian edition, but he actually wrote a a um a forward mm-hmm. to uh, mm-hmm. to to the South African edition
1: uh, of the book. Yeah. I believe yes. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Amazing. Uh, I, I'm I'm so sorry we never used it. and We should publish it sometime. Mm-hmm. So
0: I want to maybe maybe look at that and what he, what he said. So you, you shared a little a bit. You, there's this article that's uh, that's in Profiles in Diversity Journal that, that our conversation mm-hmm. is sort of sort of uh, based on today. And and you know, when we think of apartheid, obviously we think about uh, you know all the horrors, the violence, the inequities, the injustices, and and uh, and all that. And, and obviously uh, you know you mentioned men uh, Mandela, Mandela's release from prison, those kind of things. But what Tutu Sort of focused on in his his forward and what I want to look at from your from your point of view and its notion of human equity was you know Tutu could see that one of the one of the things that apartheid was was a terrible waste of human potential. Mm-hmm. There was this whole population that that was shut out from from economic opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, and that represented just a, such a loss to uh, you know because once that's gone, it's gone. And mm-hmm. and so there's that element within the human equity where where, where it crosses over with 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 notions of talent and, and, and potential that people have. Can you maybe talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that and, and, and mm-hmm. how that came to, came to pass?
1: Yeah, what, what I so um, admired about what both Tutu and, and Mandela did is they didn't spend a lot of time lamenting about, oh, woe is us, we went through apartheid for 50 years they were like okay so where do we go from here what is the future about now the 3 years of the truth and reconciliation commission which in my opinion was was brilliant i mean and, and i know we'll probably talk about ubuntu but it's a 10,000 year old afrocentric concept around conflict resolution and healing but to your question they were like, okay, so the, what apartheid did was pull out one of our natural resources, which is human beings. 80% of our society being underutilized for basically reasons that had nothing to do with any kind of logic. And, and then they were, not, they, they were underutilized. And so without ever using the terms like human equity or human capital, the guy was talking about talent. He says, if we're wasting all this talent, then how can we, um, you know, how could we ever really thrive as, as a nation? And then the the counter to that is if we were to use all this talent, what could that look like for South Africa? So what I would never say he he, um, you know he w- was speaking from a, a business corporate perspective. All you need to do is to take his idea, put some corporate dressing on it, and 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 you have you have human capital and human equity. Right.
0: Because obviously, at the time, you saw that uh, you know, and you mentioned that. that the conversation time was about employment equity and I know you were involved in the Peterson government here in Ontario and then Bob Ray came in and, 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 and as I recall, and i I it wasn't an issue that I tracked particularly carefully at the time. You know, it was a fairly crude um, <laughs> numbers game of sort of matching your organization to the community and do your numbers align and are Ooh. you paying people roughly the same? I mean, that was basically Ooh. where it, be- is it fair right. to say that was the, where it began and ended, right?
1: It was, it was, you know, uh, um, employment equity. I, I, I'm not a fan by the way. I was a fan at the time. You know, it was my job I, when I was in the Peterson government, my job was to convince companies we're going to do this employment equity stuff and you're going to like it, you know? Um, and, uh, I, I didn't mind it at the time. Um, it was crude is is a very that's an understatement John uh, it was a very crude and it still is I mean I often joke employment equity since 1980 or whenever it came in has not created one job for one woman, one visible minority one person who just nothing it's created lots of paper, lots of reports, lots of you know government stuff but not one job has ever been created by well maybe the employment equity commissioner they got a job out of it but it's it was in my opinion and and so it still is those people that approach this from a legislated equity uh perspective where do this or else it never worked and then even litigated equity where you have class action suits um, where multi-million dollars, you think of the Texaco suit, and there are others, multi-billion dollar suits sometimes. Um, and, uh, but did it make any difference? Like, did it create change? And I would still argue, and there will be lots of people that would disagree with me, and, and, and that it didn't make that much of a difference. And that is a road. I talk about how many roads in this diversity, DEI area, are dead ends, and then there's two or three superhighways. And it's like, take the superhighways. Don't, do, don't take the dead ends, because they always end up dead, dead ends. And we know that legislated equity and litigated equity, they just don't work. And they, they, don't, they don't work anyways. I'm not suggesting there was no value in it. At the very least, it, there were some organizations that couldn't even spell the word sexual harassment until employment equity legislation and pay equity legislation. So there was some value in it, but in the idea of changing an organization to allow you to utilize all the talent that's available to you, regardless if that's black talent, white talent, fat talent, gay talent, etc., it, it was not capable of, you, you couldn't get there from there. You couldn't do that with employment equity.
0: And, and i think it, it it you know it it is it, it's there that we find some of the root, roots of the resentment that still exists unfortunately in um among us white folk right as yes. like if i yeah. um you know not personally but but certainly you know i see a, i see a fair bit where where this idea you know someone's a diversity hire or yeah. uh yeah. you know that, that 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 someone's opportunity is 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 gained at you know, the cost of yours yeah. Um, and it seems to me that, that the roots of some of that is in that legislative approach.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's two things that I, I, if you want to give credit to employment equity or legislative equity for anything is tokenism, um, where, you know, well, she got it because she's a woman or he got it because he's Asian or, or whatever that, and that's still alive and well, um, and then what they would call reverse discrimination and uh, <clears throat> reverse discrimination. And, and, you know, for me, I, I think, look, discrimination, is discrimination, reverse or otherwise, it's just like it, 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 it the flavor changes, you know, who's doing the discriminate and who've been discriminated against. But there is no doubt. And this is probably the toughest part of my jobs in the 70s and the 80s, trying to convince a mother That we were going to discriminate a a mother of a white able-bodied straight white able-bodied male that we are going to discriminate against your son for a period of time because my people faced discrimination for 400 years and it was a perverse conversation where it'd be like okay so let me get this right Uh, so you, you your people were discriminated for 400 years that's right and that was wrong of course we agree that was wrong so now you're going to discriminate against my son for how long? How long? And I would say, mm, how about 100? 100 years? No. Because he's only going to last 50 anyways. Okay. Right. How about for 50 years? No. 25? And you never could get to the number. We'll discriminate against your son for this amount of time because of what your forefathers did. And... It didn't work. And and so this concept of if there was ever reverse discrimination, because John, your group wasn't included. You uh, you're part of the straight white male able-bodied male group. They were never included in legislated equity. And it was a perverse conversation when you said, okay, we're gonna take these four groups. In Ontario at the time, we added francophones, so we at least had five groups. But never straight white able-bodied males, and then they say, "Well, why not?" And the "why not" ultimately came down to because they had their turn. The straight white able-bodied males they had their turn. Now it's our turn, and that's mm. the stuff that that never works. But
0: that, but that is still a very much a knee-jerk reaction of very people much. to talk about reverse discrimination. If you look at here's a case where, where um, and. Um, we haven't planned on talking about this, but it just struck me as you talk about it. the case of the Supreme Court in the US, mm-hmm. you know, where Biden's come out and said, "You know, we're going to have a black woman in there. You know, get yep. get get used to it, basically, because yeah. it's it's it. There is a sense of it being a t- yeah. I don't, I don't know if it, it is characterised in a sense of a turn. In fact, I think it's characterised more in a sense. You know, we want all those voices at the table, right. um, or in this case, a bench, um, right. and you know, black women haven't had a shot at this, so it, it, we have to have them there. and and then that then gets you know turned into well you know it's just it's just another kind of discrimination against against all those terribly qualified white guys who should have that spot um so so just as i think about that it, it, it it that is about um creating an organization in this case the supreme court that's reflective of of the people that it, that it, that it has to judge and and assess.
1: Well, this is where the brilliance of Obama and, you know, I declare my bias. I I do believe Obama is the best president, will be shown as the best president America's ever had. And they, and on this issue in particular, he was so far ahead of where people were when he said, yes, okay. Yes. I'm black. Yes. I was born in Hawaii. And, and yes, um, uh, I, I was educated at Harvard and yes, all of these things. But that doesn't define me. That can inform the fact that I'm a black man and I've, I've got two kids could inform who I am, but that doesn't define who I am. And I'm not suggesting to you that my blackness is not a very important part of who I am. And so is my fatherlessness. And so is my Canadianness, And so is my maleness. Like, because we're human beings... We are complex creatures, and you can't boil it down to one thing, you know. Okay, I got a big belly, so the big belly means something. No, it, it it's part of you gotta take all of me. And 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 I do think we've forgotten the genius of Obama because he was facing this type of I'm gonna call it pedestrian thinking before. He was president. He did the speech on race, which if you haven't seen this, it's on (laughs) online. The speech on race is absolutely brilliant. Will go down in time is one of the speeches, I think, like, you know, the Gettysburg Address. That that's the caliber of this speech. And, And the guy got it. He got it. Now, having said that, he wrote a book about it. Before he became president, before he did that speech, so he he had spent a lot of time with it, but he was he was on, and this notion that, oh, we have to have a Supreme Court that has a black woman on it or is representative, et cetera, yeah, but go beyond that. Don't just stop there. Does this woman possibly have a perspective that nobody else has? Does this woman have a have have something to offer? to the Supreme Court. And it, maybe it's not because she's a black woman. Maybe it's because she was brought up in poverty or maybe it was because, you know, like this, we're so, it's, it, it's it's what, what gets me is how pedestrian and simplistic we make this argument. And when you're dealing with the human being, which is just so complex and so glorious in its, uh, let, let me, you know, to bastardize a word, in its diversity we're so glorious in our diversity and we want to bring it down to, oh, well, it's because he was a black man or it's because he was gay or his closet, you know, no, no, no. It's much more complicated than that. Hmm. I have a friend of mine that says life would be so much simpler if it wasn't for people. Uh, You know, it's like, we're, we're, we're pretty complex, these beings. So you can't boil this down to, to like, uh, you know, okay, well, it's because I'm black or because I'm old or because I'm, no, no, it's not that simple. I wish it was sometimes, actually. I really do wish it was yeah. that simple. So,
0: but I think that that also, you know, that also very much taps into uh the sort of vision I imagine, you know, that, that, that or, you know, I, I see Tutu as having had with, you know, somebody yeah. else, him. And, you know, that, you know, we spoke about this notion of, of, of sort of, of un, untapped talent and, and creating yeah. a world where everyone can fulfill their potential as individuals yeah. versus as, as, as sort of groups, as groups. um and, and it, it seems to me you know and you mentioned the truth and reconciliation and and uh obviously here in Canada there's the uh the issue of the indigenous peoples and and the kind Ooh. of process taken there I don't really want to go down that road because we're neither of us you know part of Ooh. that and, and right. uh plan to have some some indigenous guests you know to talk about more too. But, but, Talking more generally about Canada, we've certainly got some some divisions here now that mm-hmm. that maybe uh, weren't so obvious before. I was watching I was watching television last night and there was an ad for a a sports streaming uh, channel uh, mm-hmm. and and the guy one of the, the questions the guy says Have you ever seen an angry Canadian? And they show a picture of like some hockey going on <laughs> and I was thinking, well, actually, yeah, we've all seen some angry Canadians lately. Um, there's a lot of anger and, <laughs> and division out there now. And, yeah, yeah sure. how, how does how does the world of sort of human equity in workplaces mm. relate and, and, and the sort of inspiration to, to, and you mm. mentioned Obama, how does that feed into a broader view of, of how we mm. sort of navigate some of the challenges mm. that we face as a society? Hmm.
1: That's a great question. That was a big question. <laughs> no, it's a great question. Um, that's, that's one, uh, two and a half hours over beer question, but, um, you know, off the top of my head, I think um I think it goes back to what both tutu and Mandela were were they they say you get you we have to get to the human element of it rather than the political element of it or the topical element of it. You know, I watched the stuff that happened in in Ottawa the other day with the truckers. I'm still not quite sure what the issue is about my I would put money that the issue is more about politics you know, the fact that a lot of Trump's money wound up in that $10 million coffer has me say that, you know, um, this may not be an issue around human rights or, or, but I don't, I I don't really know, but what I, I, I think to answer your question, you have to get back to the, the human element of it. What does this have to do with us as people? And as you know, um, in this polarized society, and I'm going to include Canada and North America together because I think that they influenced us, the polarization really takes away a lot of the logic. It's like, okay, well, you're on the right, so I can't listen to you, and I'm on the left, so this is the news I have to listen to. And it it we don't get to the heart of, of the matter. I think what human equity does and what what, you know, the folks that embrace human equity, it's, it's a relatively simple concept. I mean, it's, it's relatively, you know, the notion of let's maximize on the talent of everybody. that's available. It's hard to argue with that. Now you can argue with well, how are you going to do it? And does it work? And, but you can't argue with that. Like who the hell doesn't want that? Like really? Right. That's like apple pie. It's motherhood stuff. But, You know, when you start to put a political agenda on it and it's really easy, John, to pull a political agenda on this stuff because there's a lot of there's a lot of agendas. Like I could bring the gay agenda. I could bring the black agenda. I can now bring the old agenda. I can bring the father agenda. I can bring the divorced agenda. Any one of those could could easily um, grab it. They could grab the argument, a run down a rabbit hole you'll never get out of, and yet the simplicity of what we're talking about, um, and I think that's what Mandela and Tutu managed to do. They managed to let's just bring it back to us as human beings. What do we need as human beings right now to move forward? And. Um, and, th- and that's why Ubuntu, even though it's 10,000 years old, is just so elegant and so beautiful, but there's a spiritual element to it that we don't have here in the Western world that you need in order for you to implement something like Ubuntu. But that's my, you know, my own personal, personal opinion of it.
0: Well, I'd like to, I'd like to explore that notion of, of Ubuntu with you, with you, uh, um mm-hmm. as for sort of the final segment of our, of our conversation but i wanted first of all to 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 them introduce another you know we, we've been talking here we opened about tutu two, two, and this is this article mm-hmm. that you've written that's going to be published in profiles in diversity mm-hmm. journal and i happen to have another article uh, to hand which was written about you in 1994 in the Financial Post, oh when you sort of really? launched, yeah, way, way back then, no, two I dug, years I dug, old. I dug, I dug, I dug deep into the archive. A very young-looking uh, then yes. Trevor Wilson, on no, the no
1: white hair, no white hair at all, no white um, hair, and, um, and probably it, about one hundred and fifty pounds, by the way.
0: That's right. Yeah. Much, much, uh, much, uh much you, you're, you're, you're much more distinguished, distinguished oh, now. There you go. That's
1: um, a good and movie.
0: the the cover refers, so it goes back to a little bit. We spoke a little bit earlier in the conversation about this, no guilt, no blame version of, of diversity right. that, yeah. that yeah. um, and, um, you know, one of the things that I've, um, uh, sort of, um, internal dialogue with myself around sort of notions of privilege mm. and stuff in the last last couple of years with the work mm. that i've been doing but that issue of guilt and blame and again you see the way that tutu dealt with 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 you know it was about truth and reconciliation it wasn't about pointing right. fingers and making people feel guilty right. i mean do you, do you right. still in your work encounter uh practitioners in the diversity field who try and sort of project some sort of guilt onto onto white folks you know still, still yeah. that's still a, a thing
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, my job in those days in the 90s, to be crude again, is to beat up white men. I mean, literally, that, that, yeah, I would get calls from mostly HR people say, I want you to come and beat up our executive. And 98% of them are straight, white, able bodied males and make them feel guilty. Um, I met a guy once <laughs> and he described himself as a recovering racist because he had gone through one of these white guilt programs and oh my God, I felt sorry for, I felt just, he was in pain. He was literally in pain for the white guilt that this organization had done. Um, You know, and yes, there are still people today that that is their job to beat up white people, make them feel guilty, white fragility, all of that stuff. And um, I am not a big fan of guilt either personally or corporately. I don't think that it's a useful emotion. I think that it's a waste of a lot of energy. I'm not suggesting don't acknowledge the past. Yes, acknowledge the past, but for crying out loud, let's move forward. Let's not stay in the past because if it didn't work a hundred years ago, it's not going to work today. And me looking at it over and over and over again is not going to change the history. It happened. Yes, it happened. Now, now how do we make some lemonade uh, on this? But to your point, and, and this comes as a result of the last two years of George Floyd and the ramifications, um, you know, of of the trial and everything else. There is a lot of space for I'm going to call it bad, bad D-E-E-N-I approaches. And um, I got to tell you um I was a kid, so you got to get, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I liked it. It was, it was a lot of fun at sometimes. Now I had to come to the realization. It wasn't working. It wasn't doing something, leaving a room of white guys feeling guilty about what has happened to to anything George Floyd or otherwise now. Okay. Well, is that going to create change? No, it does. It didn't, it didn't create change. And so I had to come to the realization when I hung up, my diversity hat, which was close to 2000, you know, almost 22 years ago. Now I hung that up for, for what was a, a more evolved area of inclusion. And, and you've heard me talk about Dr. Janet Smith, who is still alive, John. I mean, she's still, she's in, in, in her nineties in, in retirement in BC, like, a uh, uh, Mandela way, way beyond where the world was thinking on this. In 1990, he said no, no, no. It's not about this diversity stuff. It's about it's about including people, and it's not about doing it for an entire group. It's about doing it for individuals. That was the epiphany thinking um, that allowed me to access where human equity um, eventually went to. But to your question, absolutely, there's there's a lot of it going on. There will be a lot of it going on. I'm not a fan. It, it's, maybe it's better than doing nothing but sometimes it's not better than doing nothing because sometimes you have to rescue these people from their guilt because they don't know what to do it's like this anti um sorry uh, unconscious bias you know banerjee and, and some of the um some of the uh, inventors of unconscious bias will tell you there's nothing you can do about it it's part of your hardware you and every other human being has this thing called unconscious bias but i don't want it too bad you don't want it that's the way it is so what can i do about it nothing and it's like that's a very frustrating conversation
0: there is there is a you mentioned with chance with this idea of uh, you know and again Focus in your work on sort of individuals and, and individual potential, seeing people as individuals. There is nevertheless a tension between that and, and group things. And I, I'm going to try and sort of unpack that a little bit through a discussion about Ubuntu okay. uh, 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 yes. to sort of close our conversation. And I think everyone's familiar with that. What well, is it? And I have no it 's often quoted as an african proverb i 'm not sure if yeah. it 's actually true i 'm not quite sure what they mean by African sure. proverb because you know Af- <laughs> Af- africa 's a, a big place it 's a big place with a lot of different countries and and, and etc so right. you know this idea you know if you want to travel fast, travel alone if you want to travel far, yeah. go in a group, go a
1: group.
0: but but, but that 's not and that seems to be reflected in, in part in 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 yeah. what I saw recently, which was a definition or, or sort of trying to get understand Ubuntu, which was the contrast between the sort of West, you know, I think therefore I am mm. that sort of Cartesian, mm. sort of fundamental way we think versus <coughs> this Ubuntu sense. And, and tell me if I'm wrong, I am because we are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So how does that, mm. how does that play out in, in, it, in the world we're in now? Mm.
1: I think, you know, to- Now, Ubuntu, we simplify Ubuntu, especially here in the West. It's a profound and and deeply, in my opinion, uh, it's a genius concept from, you know, again, 10,000 years ago. The indigenous communities here have access to it through their healing circles. The piece of it that distinguishes Ubuntu, and maybe this is where I think the group part of it comes in, Ubuntu is based on the concept that we are human beings. We are fallible creatures. We will screw up. I promise you, if you have children, they will screw up. So it comes from that. As these fragile beings, we're going to screw up. So if we screw up, there needs to be forgiveness. And 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 so the heart of, um, of Ubuntu is... If you tell me what you do, because, the, you know, the Truth and Reconciliation, not the Canadian version, and we can talk about that some other time. Um, my beef with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, it only happened between on on the side of the Indigenous. You know, the, the so-called European community was not involved with it. And you're right. Like, yes, for three years it, it ran through the Indigenous. But if you ask the average person on the street, hey, what did you think about what happened at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission yesterday? They wouldn't know because they weren't following it. It was very much about one side. I'm going to call it the victim, the protagonist side in the Canadian, but in 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 South Africa, that was not the case. It was the protagonist community as well as the so-called, if you will, victim community, whatever you want yeah. to call it, and. And it was it was if you read Tutu's book No Future Without Forgiveness, he talks about how friggin' painful it was to hear some of these things, man's inhumanity against man. How you know how these police officers would go and they'd grab people and they'd beat them up and they would kill them and you know well, you, you 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 know they're, they're, it's it was awful it was awful. Now, forgiveness and. Wow, that forgiveness stuff, when you dig into it, um, it ain't easy. It's a simple concept, but it's not not easy. And I remember, John, in 1990s, when I was there for the first time, no, early 2000s, sorry, it was towards the end of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And I thought we would never have the balls to do this in North America. We do not have the guts to do this. Um, Our legal system, conflict resolution system, which is based on an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, could never get to the brilliance of this notion that we have to forgive when we screw up. And when will we screw up? Always. We will always screw up. Why? Because we're human beings. And that's just part of this entity. We're going to screw up. We can't even do it in divorce. Right? Right. Yeah, I don't want to go down yeah. that road. No, don't go no, down that road. <laughs> but forgiveness, if forgiveness yes. was really part of our system, if you will, most divorces wouldn't actually happen, right? Uh, but as you no. know, the, the way that the system is set up, it's not to have forgiveness. It's about conflict and I gotta get my peace and pound of flesh and all that. Anyways, I I can only encourage you. If you, if you look at Ubuntu, don't deal with the superficial, double click. There's a, there's a um, Ubuntu, uh, I mean, Tutu probably does the best job of explaining it. I think it's in the second or third chapter of his book that he talks about from um, national amnesia to, uh, what's it called? Anyways, national amnesia is in the title of it. I think it's the second chapter. And he says, we went through all of the options of what do we do to heal from this awful evil called apartheid. And they, and Ubuntu was the one that won. And with the mm-hmm. way he describes it there, you will get it. You will get that this is not ordinary stuff. And I thought that it was so extraordinary that we in North America would never have the guts to do it. And mm-hmm. we've tried it. It's great to now see that we're even trying it even though we're trying it at the ten percent level instead of the you know the eighty ninety percent level, so but the, that's kind of how I see it.
0: So it's true that to err uh, is human, and to forgive divine.
1: That's sort of. I a, think uh, I I, uh, I whoever said that. Well, no, it was uh, like,
0: uh, Who knows? It's it's. Uh, <laughs> I remember it from when I when when when, when, I, when I was a kid well yeah. i think with that we'll 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 wrap up we have to i think revisit the i'll go away and read uh, read the susu book yeah. and we'll have a more in-depth conversation on ubuntu in a future episode i, yeah. I think that would be be very useful um, especially I'd love in the to. time that, that, we're, that we're in now so thank you very much peter it's always great to, to have you have you on 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 the show and just a reminder there is that article It's in the profiles in diversity journal uh, it's coming out shortly um, right. we'll recording. Towards the end of February, uh, just a very brief article about the origins of uh, of human equity and your your yeah. encounter with you refer to him as the arch in here. Yes, right? the
1: arch. So, yes, the arch. Um, And just one thing, John. Um, one of the things, an idea that's come up that we are actively considering is actually to do a study on the book on on on, uh, on the human equity advantage. You know, just just get a bunch of people and and you know uh, uh, put it on and just take chapter by chapter and kind of dig the hundredth uh h- hundred thousand pieces that created human equity because it took 20 years to develop that doesn't mean it takes 20 years hopefully to learn it um so uh so that that's uh, stay tuned for that
0: no and i certainly think it's a you know it's an idea whose whose time is, has come for sure for sure exactly. i look forward to that so uh, take care and, and thank you once again for for joining us Perfect. for an episode of here comes everyone. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, John.
1: Bye. Thank you.